good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to read the book of James or the epistle of James. Now James is a short epistle. Let's see, how many chapters do we have here? I was thinking there was about four or five. Yes, there are five chapters here. Now, the epistle of James has been called, like Proverbs, the Proverbs of the New Testament. Um, I think that is probably pretty apt. It has a lot of wise teaching to help us live in the New Testament era, in this, you know, the latter days that we are in. Um, so while we're waiting for Jesus to return, now James is also um, supposed to be, if I understand and remember correctly, he's also supposed to be the younger brother of Jesus. So that's interesting. How many younger brothers Jesus had, I, I don't know or, re or remember if I ever have known. I could have, it could have been something I knew at some point, I just forgot. But nonetheless, this is supposed to be one of his younger brothers. So, <clears throat> all right, so I am reading in the Amplified Bible, and this is James chapter 1. James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve Hebrew tribes scattered abroad among the Gentiles in the dispersion, greetings, rejoice. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfected and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. So right off the bat, James gets right down to business in my opinion. When we're having trials and, and troubles, we should have nothing but joy. We should realize that this is a chance, an opportunity to learn, to, to improve our faith, to strengthen our faith, and to rely on and trust in God more. I know how difficult it is not to try to do everything ourselves. <laughs> and certainly, we should always do our part. We should do what we can. But when we hit that point where we've done all we can do, then as Paul says, we should stand and wait on the Lord and trust and believe in Him. I mean, we pray and we give these things to God for a reason. And uh, so this builds your faith. It helps produce maturity. It helps us to have inner peace because we trust and rely on God and the more we do these things and practice these things the better we get at them it's like anything else in life the more you do something the more you practice something the better you will get now you know that's just the way it works no matter what skill you're working at or what you're doing that is the way it works so that you may be perfect and completely developed lacking nothing now moving on to verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. But he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help, for the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. 
For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. So let's just start at the beginning of this. <clears throat> if any of us lack wisdom, we should ask God. It's always in God's will to teach us his wisdom, to teach us how to live and how to do correctly, just like you would always be willing and want to teach your child how to have a better life and how to, you know, do things correctly. You know, that's that's perfectly normal and that's what God wants to do. He wants to teach us his wisdom. He wants us to uh, share, you know, in that. He wants to give us, impart his his knowledge and wisdom to us. That's part of, uh, that's why we have the Bible, really. I mean, <laughs> that's it's it's always in his will to ask for his wisdom and and this this specifies you know if you need it to make a decision or a circumstance but i believe it applies to just every day all the time because we're always making decisions we're always in a circumstance you know we're always having some issue or something coming up or you know or maybe we're just speaking to someone and we know we want to know how to talk to them wisely and not just spew our thoughts in our mind and our stuff that we shouldn't really say at all. <laughs> we want to have good things to say from God's Word. So, all right. And notice that God gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame. If we, if we come and say, Lord, I'm just, I'm just ignorant, that doesn't mean you're stupid. That means you just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know your way well enough. I don't know what I should do in this circumstance, say. Let's just take it back to a specific thing. Um, then, you know, God is not going to rebuke you or blame you or fuss at you. You're coming forward to him saying, hey, if, if I've messed up, forgive me, but I, I need to know how to get out of this situation. I need to know what to do. And and he's willing there. It's a, James plainly says here, and it will be given to him. But we must ask in faith, believing that God will help us. Okay, now that is that is one one thing. We have to believe in God and that He wants to help us. That is that's important. If if you don't believe that, then it's hard to believe that any prayer is going to mean anything. I think there are very few people who who uh, become a Christian who don't believe that God is willing to help. I don't. I don't think. I don't know that you would ever become a Christian if you believed He wasn't willing to help. So, again, He's like a father. He's our spiritual father. So He is there, ready and willing to help, just like we would be for one of our children. Um. So I don't think that's all that difficult, but I think some people may have a, may have trouble with this. I'm not exactly sure why, um, but it says for one who doubts, it's like a billowing surge, you know, and, and if you, you know, if you're doubting that God exists or, you know, or if you're doubting that God, you know, cares for you, then, you know, then perhaps you're just not, you know, where you need to be in the Word. Maybe, Maybe you need to, you know, study more, 
read more and understand more I would suggest for instance go go back to the Gospels and see how Jesus was what his example was his example was because he was God in the flesh his example was from God he did things to help people all the time and yes and he taught people all the time and he sometimes taught things that were hard to hear and that we don't want to hear sometimes but that does not make them any um, any less that does not make them any less important or or um, <clears throat> um, factual or uh, true to to God you know that does not make them any less uh, important or true to to the overall message so we do need to believe that God is there and he wants to help us that that's important that's a big important part of faith so we do need to believe that verse 9 let the brother in humble circumstances glory in his high position as a born-again believer called to the true riches and to be an heir of God and the rich man is to glory in being humbled by trials revealing human frailty knowing true riches are found in the grace of God for like the flower of the grass he will pass away for the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass its flower falls off and its beauty fades away so too will the rich man in the midst of his pursuits fade away so here he's contrasting two people but he's still telling them both to have joy in believing in Christ and being a member of the body of Christ and being <clears throat> in uh, see, I guess in claiming their salvation by, by being born again being baptized let the brother brother in humble circumstances you should you should glory and be happy and be thrilled because you are in a high position spiritually as a born-again believer you are a child of God you are a citizen of the kingdom of God kingdom of heaven you truly are richer beyond measure you just you may not realize it here on this earth but spiritually in in the way that really matters you are and then the rich man the, the person who's you know very well off who has maybe everything here on this earth you know they should they should be they should glory in be happy about being humbled because the trials you know the trials that they go through in this life they're going to teach them that you know they're still human they're they're still like their brother their humble brother they're still human they're going to still have frailties they're still going to be have weaknesses and they're going to see that true riches true spiritual riches are in God and not in these things here on this earth these transitory things which is what James is talking about with the flower the grass passing away um, the grass withers its flower falls off its beauty fades all these things fade away and that's like all the things we do here on this earth in our lives hopefully we do something that will be good and nice and help others but you know we ourselves our bodies we will fade away out of this life we will we will die and pass on and that's the way of things that's the way it's supposed to be and we will go on to be with 
God in heaven, you know, maybe right away, you know, anyway, you know, when the Lord returns, we will definitely go with him back to heaven. When we die, I don't know if we go to sleep, as Paul mentioned several times that people are asleep and we just wait, or if we go to paradise, such as Jesus talked to the thief on the cross and said, you know, you'll be in paradise. So, I can't say. You know, my understanding of that is limited, and I'm not going to try to uh, go too much into that. But uh, we will fade away out of this life, and we will move on to heaven in the next life. That much I can say, that much is certain. So, we can be happy about that, even if we don't know all the minute details regarding it. So verse 12, blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, favored by God, is the man who is steadfast under trial and perseveres when tempted, for when he has passed the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed, and baited to commit sin by his own worldly desire, lust, passion. Then when the illicit desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. I'm going to stop there, and then we're going to come back to 16. Because this explains sin and temptation about as good as it gets. It's, it does a better job than I can do, but I'm going to try to, to whittle it down a little bit. Basically, temptation does not come from God. Temptation comes from within ourselves. It's our own worldly selfish desires it can be you know greed or lust or any number of things it could be all of those things it could be a want um, you know we could be obsessed about something a little bit uh, have kind of an idol that we want and we get obsessed with and you know we put all our time and effort into that um, there's a number of different things that we can do to be tempted into doing wrong and into doing evil and it says, like here in verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed and baited by his own desire. So that that is where our sin and our problems lie. It's in our own desires. So it's one of the reasons we need to make sure we're studying the Word and staying in God's Word so that our desires will change. He will there's, there's several places where he says he will give us the desires of our heart. Well, yeah, he will give us the correct desires to be in our hearts, and we will want the correct things. And you can read that a couple of different ways, but that's the way I have ended up believing that's intended, is that he will give us the desires of our heart. He will give us the correct desires to have in our hearts, and we will want the correct things, and not the, the bad, the sinful things. So we're blessed, backing up to the, the verses we started with, verse 12, we're blessed when we stand up under trial and we resist our temptation and we pass that test. Now, we don't just do that once, though. We do that every day, all the time. 
Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus? He did this. He did this every minute of every hour of every day. He passed all these temptations and all these tests because he was God in the flesh. He had the power to do anything he wanted. And he had to resist that temptation constantly, all the time. And all, and all the temptations, whatever temptation you think of, the temptation to get angry, the temptation to, you know, all kinds of things. I, I, can, I can't even probably imagine everything. I don't know what it would be like to have been Jesus in those circumstances and, and have that power, but then knowing that he's only to use it for God's purpose, only to use it at the right times, you know. And there would be a lot of temptation with that. And yet he walked perfectly and showed us how to be and how to do. Alright, <clears throat> so, going to continue on with verse 16. Do not be misled, my beloved brothers and sisters. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. It was his own will that he gave us birth as his children by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, a prime example of what he created to be set apart to himself, sanctified, made holy for his divine purposes. So every good thing, every perfect gift is from above. Do not be misled. All the good things in life, all these things we enjoy on this earth, everything that's made the stars twinkling in the heavens, everything, they, they were made by God. They come from God. They don't come from anywhere else. He is the creator of the universe, of everything. And because he is perfect and he never changes, you know, there is no variation. He's perfect, he never changes, he's always true, he's always honest, he's always fair, he's always loving, he's always just. He's all those things and he's always those things and he cares about us. It was his will, by his will, he decided to create us, his children. And we were supposed to be, or are supposed to be, we are the, I guess, the, the, the pinnacle, the first fruits, the best of the creatures on earth. We are supposed to be. The, the prime example, the best, you know, are we the best? Do we always act the best? Well, that's another story. But we are supposed to be the best. We are supposed to be the ones taking care of this planet and, and doing right by God and by this planet. And uh, we are supposed to be the ones that are, that are setting his example on this earth, we're supposed to be sanctified and holy as he is holy. So, as Christians, we really should be doing this. All mankind were intended to be Christians, really. God would want everyone saved if that, if they would just, if they would be willing. 
that's the way to say that, I guess. So, but it was through again God that we have life that He has given us life. So, continuing on with verse 19, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. For the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, that standard of behavior which he requires from us. Now I want to stop there for a moment. And this notice, this is a problem <clears throat> that a lot of people have. And I understand because I have this problem myself. We need to be better listeners. And shut up. <laughs> I'm just going to say it the way it is. We need to shut up and just be better listeners. Okay, now James said this very nice. We need to be slow to speak. And we should be wise or smart about what we speak. And we should be trying to be careful and not be rash and not be in a rush to just spew things out. We need to try to speak to people in kind, helpful ways. Uh, it does no good to just rail and fuss and argue at someone. It, it's much better to just, you know, speak to them in a kind, gentle way as best you can. And some people will still not receive that and they will not know how to deal with that, but you know, that's okay. I mean, at the end of the day, you can only talk to somebody and advise them so much, and then, you know, you have to let them do their thing, you know, whatever that is. And that is not always the best, not always the best for them. But at the end of the day, that's the way it is. I mean, God lets us, he gives us our freedom to do and to choose, and that's, that's the way that works. But still again, we should be slow to anger. You know, we should be patient and forgiving and reflective. And if we're really listening and paying attention, maybe we can empathize and understand a little better where someone is coming from rather than getting angry. And I, I know that can be hard sometimes. Um, sometimes I, I know it can be difficult, but uh, if we can do that, I think that's much better for us. If you know, we just need to be better listeners, speak less, and when we speak, we need to make sure that what we say makes sense and it follows the Word of God. Now, part of me sometimes thinks maybe I just shouldn't say anything if it's not coming from the Word of God. Maybe we shouldn't. Alright, so continuing on. Oh, but part of the reason is is we don't want to set up, I forgot about this, sorry. Um, we don't want to set up resentment, you know, that deep-seated anger, um, that, that bitterness that can build up in people. We don't want to accidentally create that in others or in ourselves, because if you have that, it makes it very hard for you to be loving and caring towards that person or those people that you have that resentment or bitterness with. And that means you will not follow the behavior that, that God wants. It does not produce the righteousness of God. So we want to be very careful about that as well. So being slow to anger and slow to speak, and I, I would say those two go hand in hand, definitely, you know. <laughs> so we definitely want to do that. All right. <clears throat> so moving on, 
verse 21, So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness, and with a humble spirit receive the word of God which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. So we should get rid of all uncleanness and you know, wickedness, any any evil, anything. We should be humble and receive the word of God and learn from that and work on those things. But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets. Oh, I'm sorry, he immediately forgets what he looked like. To me that's kind of understood, but it is, it is part of the word here. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. So, we're to not just listen to the word. We don't want to just hear the word and sort of agree with it tacitly and say, yeah, okay, that's good, that's cool, and then we go home and we do whatever, or we just move on with our lives and continue to do whatever. If the word of God is not changing you, if you're not following God, accepting his word and, and using that to, to change your heart and to improve yourself, if you're not being changed by the word of God, then I have to say that you're not really believing. The word of God when we believe and we study it, it is going to change us. It's going to change us for the better. It's going to make changes. Now, for different people, <laughs> we all have different strengths and weaknesses. The changes may be different in different ways. Um, for myself, I definitely need to, um, I feel like lately especially, I need to learn more patience. I need to definitely learn to not get angry. I need to speak less and listen more. I mean, some of these things are flowing right into me, just just kind of, you know, well, they call it stepping on my toes, but it's it's true. I need to learn and do better at these things. So, you know, and it starts, a lot of it starts at home with your family. You know, you need to learn to put these things into practice. And then you can also use it out in the world with others. And it's, it's these are all good lessons and good things to learn. But we have to do more than just learn it as a mental exercise, but actually do it. We have to active, I like the way they say this here, actively and continually, continually obeying God's precepts. We're, we're constantly, when we learn something new from the Word, when we study something here like this, we're trying to put that into practice in our lives. We're trying to act upon that because we learn that's what God wants from us. This is what we should do. Now, I will tell you, or remind you again, because I say this a lot probably, the reason God teaches us these things is for our own betterment. It's for our own good. It helps us to have a better life. So it's not just that he's teaching us things just because oh, he wants to be in control. 
No, he's teaching us the things that will help us to have a better life, that will improve our life. So it's, it's important, you know, that we um, follow the word actively, putting it into practice. And not just hearing it and then moving on. Um, sometimes when you don't understand something, I understand that, uh, you know, oh, I didn't quite understand that. Maybe I need to study that and find out more about it. That's okay. That's normal. We all have times and things like that. But um, if we know and understand something like what James is talking about, you know, listen more, speak less, you know, don't, don't get angry, you know, um, then, you know, put that into practice. Start using that in your daily life. It's, uh, again, like I said, that's, that can be a challenge for some of us. So, and for others, other people are already good at that and maybe they have a weakness somewhere else. Nonetheless, we want to make sure that we're active doers of the word. That also means in other areas too. But for now, right now, since we're here in James, I'm just going to say, you know, I'm just going to use that as an example. There are tons of other examples you go through and look at what Jesus and Acts and look at all the letters of Paul of what we should be doing and how we should be doing. Um, but um, for right now, just using what we have at hand as an example, but definitely, when we learn something from the Word of God, like when we learn that uh, we should not be coveting or we should not be lusting, then definitely we need to apply that in our lives and work on not doing that. Instead, work on focusing on what we should be doing. Loving our neighbor, helping one another, being kind to each other. You know, put our focus on the right things. All right. So, going to move on, verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, scrupulously observant of the rituals of his faith, and does not control his tongue, but deludes his own heart, this person's religion is worthless, futile, barren. Pure and unblemished religion, as it is expressed in outward acts in the sight of our God and Father, is this to visit and look after the fatherless and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself uncontaminated by the secular world. So, here in the first, let's just, let's just go to the first. If anyone thinks himself religious and does not control his tongue, but deludes his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. And says futile barren. Because, and, and James is going to get more into this about the tongue. I, I believe it's further in in James here. Um, we do have to control our, our tongues. We have to control our mouths. We can't, we shouldn't be running around speaking blessings and cursings. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, James gets into this. We should be blessing people. We should be controlling our mouths and not, you know, we shouldn't be using foul language, vile language, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I have been guilty. I really, really, really working on all of that, even though I have over the years cleaned up very good, but I think there's still room for improvement. So, but I know that years ago I was all, oh, uh, not. I was not. And 
then again, there's there's more to it than just that, that foul language. You get beyond that, there's the heart of what you say. There's the intent of what you say. You know, we shouldn't be using hateful language. We shouldn't be speaking hate towards people. We shouldn't be, um, you know, we shouldn't be flying off in a rage and be threatening and, and uh, okay, you know, we've all been guilty of that at some point or another through frustration, aggravation. Um, it happens, but we really need to control our tongue and control those things, you know, the be angry and sin not thing. We need to really kind of buy down and say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be mean or hurtful to this person. I'm going to get control of myself. I'm going to walk away from the situation. Then I will come back and talk about it more reasonably. Um, but definitely we need to control our tongue and, uh, you know, not, not speak cruelly and hatefully and hurtfully. But instead, try to be helpful and try to, you know, the one thing our tongue should really be used for is sharing the word and is sharing God's love. And, you know, I, I think I, mm, anyway, um, you know, we should treat, maybe we should look at and treat everyone else like they were Jesus, you know. And then we would, you know, we would esteem them more, we would listen to them more. We, and then we would control our tongue and we would not spew some of the things we otherwise spew. I mean, would we say these things in front of the Lord? Whether you know it or not, or whether we think about it or not, we everything we say and all that we do, we're doing in front of the Lord. The Lord is with us always. So, that's just the way it is. So, we are saying it and doing it in front of the Lord anyway. So, we need to keep that in mind and control ourselves. And then, in the last verse, James says, the pure and unblemished religion in the sight of God the Father is to look after the fatherless and widows in their distress and to keep oneself uncontaminated by the secular world. And that's, that's a hard thing to do, to keep yourself uncontaminated. But, I want you to notice it says to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows. And this goes back to helping others. And he doesn't say just the fatherless and the widows of your congregation, of the church, of the body of Christ. He says, no, to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself uncontaminated from the world. So, you know, you know the people that Jesus helped, they weren't Christians. They weren't all Jews either. So, we need to think about that. We need to follow his example. And he was in the world, definitely in the world, and interacting with people, but he was uncontaminated. And we need to follow that example too. And Okay, that's a hard example. Jesus sets the bar extremely, extremely high. And I, I know, it's, that's, a, that's a tough... That is a tough road to follow, but that's what we need to do, too. We need to be working on, you know, being here, living here, but not being contaminated by this world. So, alright, so I'm going to, that is the end of chapter 1, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. 
God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.